If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to begin this new year talking about rest. We will go back and finish First uh, Peter. Some of you have asked me that. And then we will, we will dig into a book in the Old Testament this year for the first part of the year. Uh, I don't know which one yet, so... But what a uh, privilege we have to begin our weeks with rest on the Lord's Day. So often we think about church as our last responsibility for the week. And then we got to start our week tomorrow. In reality, Sunday is the first day of the week. And it's the day that the early church set aside to remember the resurrection, Easter Sunday, when Jesus was raised from the dead. And it's the first day of the week. And one of the glorious things about the gospel and the Christian life is that we don't work toward rest, we work from rest. And on the Lord's Day, we gather to rest before we begin our work. We gather to be reminded that Jesus is the one who does the work anyway. And we gather today to trust Him. And one of the glorious things about Jesus is that He wants us to rest. He gets the glory when we rest. And that's why we stand in reverence at this time and we hear His words in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. The very words of Christ. And as I read them, I want them to settle in your soul. We are busy. We are active. Lots of things running through our minds in these moments. And yet, the Word of Christ should be like a sword that pierces through it all and says, Come to Me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh God, I pray that we would fill those words. Because they're true. God, you have done it all in Christ. And in these moments, we can come to Christ and rest. Stop our work of pleasing you that is futile in the end because we don't have the righteousness of Christ. May we come to Him and rest in His righteousness. God, we can never pay you back for the debt our sin has incurred. And yet Christ has done it all. May we rest in the cross. And God, would we begin this week working from rest in Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. May be seated. I'm a hypocrite. Now, some of you already knew that. But I found myself saying those very words to me earlier, myself, earlier this week, as I sat in my living room, 
And I typed out an email about the congregational meeting tonight, and I sent a text about the children's ministry, and I glanced at my phone because I was about to go pick up two boys from basketball practice and needed to know what time it was, all while I was listening to a podcast about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I realized all of that happened in about 10 seconds because I was checking myself as I was doing all of that because I was also working on a sermon about rest. About the fact we probably shouldn't be doing the very things that I was doing in that moment. Typing an email, texting, listening to a podcast, looking at my phone while working on a sermon. How in the world does that even happen? How does someone get to that point where they have such a problem that they can even do that? And I just said, man, I'm a hypocrite. I don't even know if I'm ready to preach a sermon on rest. But also in that moment, I realized that talking about rest in our given culture has a really unique challenge. Because it's not that we all need rest from work. It's not that we all work so hard we need rest. One of the things that technology does for us in our culture is it always keeps us on. And, and, and when we think about rest... We, we, we have to consider the fact that we have things that don't allow us to rest in a world where God has commanded rest. You do realize that God has set up the world so that we have to rest. There's a day and there's a night. There's a time for work and there's a time to stop working. God has wired up the human body and ordained it that every day at some point you literally have to basically go unconscious to survive. You have to sleep. God has wired up the world where we have to rest. And yet I sit there in that moment and realized all of these things are not necessarily hard, laborious work, but they are things that keep us from resting. Think about the way our technology works. And one of the problems with the technology that we have, iPads, iPhones, computers, those things, is it keeps us on. And one of the subtle things it does to us is it makes us think we're God. Now, some, you may say, well, that's crazy. But think about the attributes of God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. What do you feel like you can be on your phone? Omnipresent. Everywhere, all the time. Connected, doing all the things you need to do. Think about the fact that God is omniscient. What does your computer teach you you can be? Omniscient. You can find out any information that you need to find at any time. And you can fix any problem. Our phones, our technology, our computers, our iPads are, are so often the source of us being tired and they keep us from being restful because we're always on. You never have to leave work. You have the Google Docs, you have the Google Sheets, you have the Asana, you have GroupMe, you have all of these apps of productivity right at your fingertips. 
You never have to leave the marketplace. You have Amazon. You have Etsy. You have whatever you want to find whatever you want. You can shop at Walmart right now here at Walmart. You can be shopping and then go pick it up ready for you when you leave. I found that out last week. Then they said, you want to go to Walmart? No, I don't. Why would I ever want to go to Walmart? Well, all we do is pull in the parking lot and they give us the stuff. Really? How'd you do that on your phone? But you never have to leave the marketplace. You never have to leave the movie theater. You have Netflix. You never have to leave the world's problems. You have Twitter. You never have to leave family and friends. Facebook, Instagram. And the subtle thing that that's teaching us, that's keeping us from rest, is we're like God. We can handle anything at any time and be connected anywhere at any time and we never have to stop thinking. We never have to stop doing. Technology is to be used for Jesus. It's not to be used to make us into Jesus, which it so often does. God requires rest from us. We see that throughout the whole Bible. The law, think about this, the law command it rest. We think about the law. The law commands us to do something, the Ten Commandments to do something, but the law actually commanded rest. It was to lead us to rest. God instituted rest in the first week ever that ever existed. He created the world, and what did God do on the seventh day? He stopped and instituted rest. And it wasn't as if God was tired. It wasn't as if he was worn out. I gotta sit down and take a break. No, he instituted in the created order that creation itself would have to stop and rest. The earth would have to stop and rest. And all the people created on the earth would have to stop and rest. He instituted and commanded the Sabbath for Israel. Saturday, one day a week, one out of seven, you're gonna stop and have a Sabbath. The Sabbath means to cease. It means to cease your work. You're going to stop and you're going to rest. You're going to stop working and trust me. You're going to stop providing for yourself and trust me. That was the point. That you can't just work through the Sabbath. No, you have to stop. You have to come in from the fields. You have to come in from the animals. They will take care of themselves. I will take care of you. You trust me and you stop working. Israel was commanded to have Sabbath years. Imagine a whole year taking a Sabbath. What was the point? Not to make them lazy. It was, you've got to stop working and remember I'm providing everything for you. You've got to stop and remember me as your provider. Rest is a good thing. Rest is commanded by God. God has wired the universe up for us to have to rest. And the problem for so many of us here today is that we're always on. It's not necessarily we're working so hard. We just never turn off. And yet we need a rest. We have to stop and we have to turn off. Why? Because we're not God. And that's the point of Sabbath. That's the point of rest. To stop and remember you're not God. You don't provide for yourself. 
like Israel, to stop and remember, I'm not doing this. God is doing this. God will take care of me. God will take care of my family. God will take care of my worries. I can put the phone down. I can put these things down. And Jesus is still Lord. Jesus doesn't need me to handle all of these problems. That is good and that is helpful for us. And the rest commanded in the law by God was always to point us to the one who gives us rest from the law. And that's what we see in our text today. First of all, we see rest in the cross, in Jesus' cross. Notice verse 28. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now notice this. He says, Come to me. And for the Christian, uh, those should be beautiful words from the lips of your Savior. Come. Come to me. The whole Bible communicates that God is holy and that He is righteous. From Genesis 3 on, we have sinned against God. And what happens at the end of Genesis 3? We are shunned. We are banished from a holy God because of our sin. And then here, God in flesh, over and over, Jesus says, come to me. There's an invitation to come to God Himself, the holy, righteous God, despite your sin. There is a personal invitation. Come to Me, those who labor and those who are heavy laden. The words here are working so hard that you are worn out with exhaustion and you have a load that you can't bear on your own. You are crawling on the ground. You can't take care of it yourself. And Jesus says, come to me and I'll take care of it. Now the terminology here, it it refers to Jesus' interaction with the scribes and Pharisees. These men who they sought to uphold the law. We, We think about the law of God, which is summarized in the Ten Commandments that that so many of us know so well, right? But the Ten Commandments that were given by Moses to the people of Israel, the law is summarized there. The, The law given to Israel was to teach us that God is holy and God is righteous. By all of these requirements in the law, summarized in the Ten Commandments, there was to be the lesson learned. God is set apart from us. He is holy. He is righteous. And if we're going to be His people, we have to be holy and we have to be righteous. And and this is the way it's fleshed out. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. But the point of the law was to communicate you can't be holy and righteous. Only God is holy and righteous. And if you try to get to God by your holiness and your righteousness according to the standard He's commanded, you'll never get there. But the scribes and Pharisees didn't realize that. They took the law and in an attempt to fulfill the law, they added even more laws. They said, we're going to make sure we obey the law. And so they came up with all kinds of laws that they put on top of God's laws. And Jesus says, that's a burden. The law was never intended to be used that way. No, the law was to bring you to me. The law was to show that you can't do it. And yet so many of us think we can. 
And then these religious leaders were telling the people, you can if you just dress and talk and act like us, if you give this certain amount of money, if you wear the Scripture tape to your forehead, if you walk around in this holier-than-thou prayer language, if when you give at the temple people ring bells, these are the things the Pharisees did, and it became this veneer, fake, plastic religion that never got you anywhere. And Jesus stands and said, if you're working according to the law, you're probably worn out. And if you're working according to the, to the made-up laws of these religious men, you're probably worn out. So come to me. Come to me. I have something better than the law. I am something better than what the law requires. I am God in flesh standing before you saying you can find rest even from the requirements of the law, even from the self-righteousness of men. I will give you rest. Stop working and come to Me. Jesus is the righteousness that the law commanded. You realize that, right? The law commands perfect righteousness and there's only one who's ever had perfect righteousness and His name is Jesus. From the inside out, Jesus was righteous. Inside, He was perfect. So He obeyed the law perfectly. And He tells us when we believe in Him, His obedience to the law is given to us. It's credited to us. And so you can stop working and rest in Jesus by faith. He is God's work for you in flesh and blood. And this gets at the core to why so many of us here today can't find rest. Some of you are here today and you're still working really hard to be accepted by God. You're working so hard at it. Some of you are trying to make up for what you did in high school by working. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be good. I'm going to go to church. Do the things that when you think about that person in the community and you say, he's a good guy. I want to be that guy. And that's the way you think you're going to be accepted by God is by being good. You're trying to make up for high school, make up for college, make up for, for, for that divorce. You're trying to make up for that day you yelled and screamed at your kids and you're trying to work. You're trying to, I'm going to do better. I'm going to institute these tips and these steps and these plans in my life. And, and you're worn out because you're never going to make up for it. Some of you Christians here today, you're worn out. You're, you're heavy laden because the way you think about God is this distant taskmaster who's saying, work and I'll be happy with you. Work and I'll be happy with you. And what you've done is the same thing the Pharisees did. You've come up with this list of things in your mind that a good Christian would do to make God happy with you. You, you, you believe the Gospel, some of you. And you said, I can't be good enough to please God. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. I can't be. But then when you believe the gospel, what did you start saying? I want to be a good Christian. I want to be good at Christianity. And so you, you, you came up with this list of things to be a good Christian. A good Christian husband reads these books. A good Christian wife reads these books. 
A good Christian parent does these things. A good Christian gives this much. And in your mind, you have a whole list of good things that you're trying to do to still be accepted by God. And you are worn out. And so many of those things can be good. But they're not what earns acceptance before God. And they will never give you rest. Jesus gives you rest. You want rest? You want acceptance? You want peace with God? Believe in Jesus today. That's the core of all your restlessness solutions. Is to believe in Jesus. You think about all the areas in your life and there's just chaos and there's this unsettledness in your gut and, and, and you just feel exhausted with the stress of this, this, this world. The, the life that you're living, your family, your finances, your work, your school, your career, and you, there's just this restlessness within you. Rest begins with believing the Gospel. And then that reverberates into all those other areas. The foundation, the core of your rest today would be to come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. You don't have to work to get to Him. Just trust Him today. Believe in Him. Run to Him. Believe He's the one that paid the penalty that you could never pay. Even with a million lives of all your goodness wrapped into one, it would never even begin to touch the holiness and righteousness of Jesus. You can't do it. Stop working. Next, we see rest in your cross. First of all, we want to rest in the cross of Christ. Then we want to take up our cross and rest in it. Notice verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke was a, a massive piece of wood that was placed on the shoulder of an animal. And it symbolized work. You thought about a yoke? You thought about ox. You thought about an animal pulling and plowing and doing work. And here Jesus is comparing His yoke, His burden, to the burden of the law, the burden of the Pharisees. And He says, I have a different kind of yoke for you. Their, their yoke is weighing you down. There's no rest there. But I want you to take up on, on My yoke and learn from Me. Notice, learn from Me. There's this personal interaction with us when we believe the gospel. We're going to learn. We're going to walk with Jesus. He's not this distant, abstract thing. He is a person. But what is he going to teach us? Notice, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. This refers to the meekness and humility of Jesus, that he would lower himself to be with us, to walk with us, to die for us, to live with us. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to carry a yoke for you. And I am here to help you with your yoke. Jesus says, walk with me, learn from me. And notice, you will find rest for your souls. The word soul means your whole being. Everything that is connected to you, everything that you are, everything that you do, you will find rest. You will find the opportunity to stop working, have peace you will find the opposite of chaos. You will find rest in Jesus because He is lowly and He is gentle. He has taken the yoke upon Himself and He has worked for you and He is there with you. You will find rest only in Him. Notice the description Jesus gives Himself. He's not this forceful taskmaster who's distant. He's personal. He's there. 
He commands us to take a yoke, but then He says, I'm here with you carrying the yoke. He's right alongside us. He is a master who takes upon the yoke He commands of us. Many of you are worn out. Even when you think about your Christianity because you view God as this distant, impersonal taskmaster. Some of you, Jesus is just a bullet point on a track you believed in college. Somebody shared the gospel with you at VBS. Admit, I forgot, A, B, admit, believe, confess, I think that's it. ABCs of believing the gospel. I should know that. I'm a pastor. <laughs> but here's these things you've got to say and repeat after me. And they were on this nice bullet point list. And you said, okay, admit, believe, confess. I think I got it. Admit, believe, confess. Admit, believe, confess. And Jesus was just wrapped up in there as a bullet point. And he's distant, he's abstract, he's a piece of paper. For some of us, Jesus is just that list of things we do every week. I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, so I go to church and I serve in Awana and I go to BFG and I serve in kids and then I serve coffee and I do all of these things and that's your Jesus. And He's this distant, impersonal thing that you just do. And you say, this is my Gospel. This is my Christianity. And that's why you're worn out. Because that's not Jesus. Jesus is a loving Savior who says, I do want you to serve, but I'm right there with you. I'm going to take the yoke upon myself first, and then I'm going to call you to take upon the yoke, and we're going to serve together. And, and some of you are worn out because of this. You fail to see what Jesus wants you to do. Notice there is a yoke. There is work to be done. But the work that you think about doing, you don't realize is to make you like Jesus. You, you think Jesus is commanding something of you that is distant from Him. No, when He calls you to something, it's so you would be like Him. And, and that's why mixed here in the imagery is take the yoke upon yourself. But it's also a yoke Jesus has borne for you. It's the same imagery Jesus had when He talked about taking the cross. He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die on a cross for you. And then what does He tell His disciples? Now you take up your cross and follow Me. Why? I want you to be like Me. I want you to come and work with Me so that you will be like Me. So take up your cross and come with Me. Come and find the rest in the yoke that, that I've endured for you on the cross. And then you take up your cross and you learn rest in being like Me. Take up your cross and learn lowliness and gentleness that was first displayed for you on the cross. Do, do you understand that when you believed in Jesus. It wasn't just so you could go to heaven. It was so that you would be like Jesus. That, that, that's crucial for understanding how this life works. Because if Jesus wasn't doing something with us and in us now, why are we even here? No, He has called you to take up on a, a yoke and follow Him and be with Him so you would be like Him. And what does he say here? I want you to learn from me. I am lowly. I am gentle. 
And this sums up His sacrifice and His suffering for others. And that's the very thing Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to teach us how to be lowly and gentle for the sake of others. The way He suffered for us, He's going to call us to suffer for others. And you've got to get that in your head. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you can go to heaven, which is a glorious reality of the cross. We don't want to minimize it. But to make sense out of the restlessness now, you've got to understand Jesus is making me like Him. He is making me lowly and gentle. And one of the ways He's going to do that, He's going to call you to love people you don't want to love. How do we know that? He loved you. And you were unlovable. Even as we read from Romans 5 today. He's going to call you to think more about others than yourself. That's what it means to be lowly and gentle. We learn this from Jesus and we learn from Jesus that a self-protecting life is a miserable life. A self-protecting life is a miserable life. You'll never find rest in being self-protecting. You won't. I promise you. The more you think about yourself, the more miserable you're going to be. And the more you strategize to have more time to yourself, you're going to be more miserable. The more you strategize to have more stuff for yourself, you're going to be more miserable. How do I know that? Jesus had it all. And what did He do with it all? He gave. Jesus rules and reigns the universe. And what did He do? He became lowly and gentle for you. He died for your sins. He loved you on a cross. So He's going to teach you to take up your cross and love others the way He loved you. A self-protecting life is going to be a miserable life. Jesus is going to teach us that if we follow Him. He's going to teach us that, 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 that we can't be like that little kid who's always mine, mine, mine. Here, here's some more, here's some more. You want some candy? Here's some more candy. You want a new toy? Here's a new toy. You want a cell phone? Here's a cell phone. You want an iPad? Here's an iPad. What else do you want? What else do you want? What else do you want? Have you ever seen that kid that's raised that way? They're not happy. They're usually very miserable. Why? Because they're selfish. Because they've been taught that the way to happiness is selfishness. Jesus teaches us something different. He says your greatest joys in this life will come when you are giving your greatest. When you are sacrificing the most is when you'll be the most happy. How how do you, you go, no, that's impossible. Jesus says, no, look to the cross. It's the very thing that has saved your soul. And that's where you're going to find rest in taking up your yoke and following me and learning from me. Notice we also see rest in his mission, verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy. So some of you are going, that sounds really hard. Suffering, sacrificing for others. That's not what I want to do. Jesus says, well, what I'm calling you to, if you're following me and if you're with me, is easy. It's going to be easy to pull this thing. It's going to be light to pull this yoke. What I'm requiring of you, the burden I'm placing on you, is easy. Now, why is it easy? Well, notice through this whole section what Jesus is offering us. He's not just offering us a task or some work, the way a lot of us think about Christianity, signing up for something to do. No, He's offering us Himself. 
Notice the way all of this is explained. A yoke without Jesus, work without Jesus, is going to be miserable. If it has nothing to do with Jesus, it's going to be misery. But what Jesus is calling us to in this section, in this passage, is to be with Him. I'm calling you to be with me. I'm calling you to come work. Yeah, we're going to take up our cross. You're going to follow me. It's going to be hard. But you get to be with me. You get me. Follow me. Be with me. Notice, learn from me. When we serve Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we believe the gospel, we trust in Him, we, 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 we begin to serve Him, we get Jesus. The work is easy and it's light because in working for Jesus, we get to be with Jesus. Do you get that? It's not this distant thing when Jesus calls us to do things that, that's just going to be away from Him, and it's going to be misery. I'm ruling and reigning in heaven now you go and serve me on the earth. And it has nothing to do with him. It's not what Jesus does. Think about the Great Commission. He calls us to make disciples of all nations. How does the Great Commission end? It's the promise that Jesus says, Lo, I am with you to the ends of the age. I'm with you. And if you want to be with me, make disciples of all peoples. If you want to be with me, make disciples of all nations. That's what I'm doing. And I'm calling you to the yoke. I'm calling you to the work that I'm about. Think about what it means to witness the gospel of the kingdom. How do you witness the gospel of the kingdom? By the power of the Spirit. By the presence of Jesus. And so as a witness, witnessing the gospel, you get Jesus. You are with Jesus. And that's why he says here, the yoke that I'm calling you to is light because I'm there with you. And in taking this yoke upon yourself, you get to be with me. You do realize that your work throughout the week will become a burden if it has nothing to do with Jesus. It will become a burden to you. You will be absolutely worn out because at the end of the day, what are you working for? You get up, you go to work. You come home, you go to bed. You get up, you go to work. You come home, you go to bed. You get up, you go to work. You come home, you go to bed. That's going to be misery if it has nothing to do with Jesus. And so Jesus would call some of us here today, if you want rest, work for me. Your career the networks, the relationships you have at work, the resources you have, use it for my mission. You're going to find peace and rest in that because my yoke is easy and my yoke is light. We, we want to understand something as a church. Missionaries aren't just this select group of people that we send to other countries. We are leaving here today all as missionaries. And some of us will be on school campuses tomorrow working. And some of us will be in office cubicles working. And Jesus says, if you're not working with my yoke upon you, you're going to be miserable. But if you're working for my kingdom, it's going to be light. There's purpose in it. There's eternal purpose in it. Not just surviving and getting through the day. You're going to find rest because it's latched to eternity. And college student, uh, high school, middle school student, elementary student. I, I started that illustration forgot where it was going. <laughs> you're going to be at school tomorrow. And if you're working just for a degree, just to get the degree, 
And you're working and you're turning in the busy work and you're thinking this, this project doesn't make any sense. Why am I doing that? I'm just trying to get a degree. If that's all it is, that's going to be miserable. Why are you doing it? No, you can work for Jesus on a college campus and find great joy in it. When you walk on that campus tomorrow and say, this is my mission field. And I, I want as many people to believe the gospel here in the next four, five, six, seven years, however long it takes. I want as many to believe the gospel as possible while I'm here. This is a launching pad. Because I'm going to get that degree and I'm going to have that career and I'm going to do it all to the glory of God. And then maybe I do it in Richmond. Maybe they send me to China. But this is a launching pad for the sake of the gospel. If it's just about the monotony of getting up every day and going to work, going to school, coming home, going to bed, you're going to be miserable. But if it's about Jesus, the burden is light. You understand why you're there. Church can be a burden for some of us. The work we do here can be miserable when it's not about Jesus. When it's just showing up and going through the motions. That's why we want to be rigorous in everything that we do here. From pouring sugar in coffee on a Sunday morning. That's got to be about Jesus somehow around here. Maybe it's to wake some of you up so you can hear the sermon. It's got to be about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Greeting, parking cars. It's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be the children's ministry. It's got to be about Jesus. Youth, college, everything we do here has got to be about Jesus or it's going to be miserable for all of us. If it's not about Jesus, why do it? We're going to be miserable if we're just serving a brand. If we're just gathering together and going through the motions and all of these programs are for me and my family to make me happy and then when I use them all up, I'll go to the next church. If that's what it's about, then go on and go to the next church. i got some brochures in my office I'll give you. But if you want this to be about Jesus, stay here and serve us. Serve Jesus with us. That's where we're going to find that this burden is light. Oh, it, it's a joy to serve Jesus with these people because it's about Jesus. And some of us need to think about that even as a family. You need to think about your recreation. What does it have to do with Jesus? So many families these days are worn out because we go through the week and we go to our jobs we have something at school and practice every night of the week. We get up at Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. We got a travel ball tournament in Garrett County. If you got six kids like mine, you're in Garrett County, you're in Paris, you're in Irvine, you're everywhere on a Saturday. We got swim, we got baseball, we got basketball. And we, and we, we just go through our week and we're, all of these things we're doing. And then, then we get up and Maybe I can get church in. Maybe I can get there. You know, we'll leave after the songs are over. The sermon's usually too long. We'll never get to the next town, the next tournament. If we, if we stay around for this, we'll... And you're rushing, you're rushing. Now, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. But you've got to stop and ask yourself the question, why are you doing those things? And I want you to ask an honest question today as a dad, as a mom. Are you really finding rest there? Do you wake up on Monday morning rested? 
ready to tackle the week for Jesus? Some of you, yeah. Maybe so. Because you use those things for the glory of God. And you're discipling people on a baseball team, a basketball team, gymnastics team. You're discipling and you're using that for the sake of the gospel. And you can say, even, even on Sundays where, where, where you may be rushing around, yeah, I still feel restful because I'm using my life for Jesus. But I know those cases are few and far between. Because I know we're rushing around and we don't know why. Now, I have six kids and they all play sports. They all do. They're all involved in something. Swimming, basketball, baseball, basketball. We're starting football in the fall. Like They're all involved in something. But you know what we do once a year? We just stop and do nothing and think about why we're doing all of those things. What are they doing for us? I want to promise you this. If your kid is the next Michael Jordan, somebody's going to find him. I promise you. He's going to be shooting basketball at recess and the teacher's going to say, that kid's good. It's going to happen. You don't have to work so hard and go broke to make it happen. You don't. I promise you. And and those things, again, are not wrong and bad. But I want to encourage you, if you're going to be involved in those things, as my family is, use them for Jesus. That's where you're going to find peace and rest. This sermon's going to be really long. I'm only on page four of six, so. (laughs) It seems like you're saying Jesus is calling us to rest in calling us to work. And that's what I'm saying. Because in the work, the cross, the mission, He's calling us to Himself. And I want to be very clear today, work is good. Work is not bad. You were created to work. You're not going to sleep in for eternity. That's not what heaven's going to be about. You're going to be serving and working for Jesus, and that's going to be a good thing. Work is not bad. In heaven, we will work and we will find joy because it's with Jesus and it's in Jesus. And the daily grind of work is best when it leads us to rest in Jesus. You should work really hard every day. You should exhaust yourself at work. Don't be scared of that. Don't be scared of coming home worn out. But when you get home worn out, it's time to go to Jesus and rest. And that exhausting work is best and most refreshing when we say, I've exhausted myself to the glory of God today. Now I'm going to be reminded, even when I stop working, Jesus is still working. That's what daily you should do that. You should work really hard and then you should rest hard in Jesus. I want to be really honest with you. I love preaching. I love it. Like, I I love it. I want to preach all the time. I love the the, the hours of study and and getting this right. I have Google Docs on my phone. I have uh, commentaries everywhere. And I'm always thinking about how I can preach better. And I want to work really hard at it. But you know when preaching is misery for me? You know when pastoral ministry is just straight up misery for me? Is when I forget that this is about Jesus. It's misery. When I think if I can preach a really good sermon, it's going to change somebody's life, and it's about me and how I say this, and what I'm miserable. You know, 
Sunday mid-afternoon is the most depressing time for me because I'm thinking about all the mistakes I made here. And you know why it's depressing and miserable? Because I forget this is about Jesus. And I don't stop and rest in the fact Jesus didn't mess the sermon up. Jesus did just fine today. He's going to do just fine tomorrow. And you know the hardest day of the week for me is my day off. Because it's Monday. You thought it was today, right? Monday's my day off. And you know it's the hardest day of my week. You're about to learn a lot about me that you may not like. Mondays are really hard for me because on Mondays I want to be like Jesus. I actually want to be Jesus on Monday. And I want to come back to today and fix everything that went wrong. The computer wasn't working right, Clay. When are we going to get that fixed? The transition didn't work. Why is John talking about that in the offering time? And I have a list of things that i got to fix on Monday morning. And I want to be Jesus on Monday. It's why the first week of August this year, I sat on the back of a condo in Orange Beach shaking because I had not taken a day off all year. Because Monday was work. I was getting up with that phone on Monday and working and working and working. And when I put the phone down, on vacation, I was like, what am I going to do? i got to do something. Give me that phone. Where is that phone? And John told me, no, you have to hide your phone for that week. You can't have your phone. And it, it, I was miserable. And so you know, you know now what I have to do on Mondays? I give the phone to Danae, and I can't have it at all on Monday. I'm like a little kid. you got to take the video game away. And she hides it, and then I find it. <laughs> she put it in a Kleenex box for a while, and I was thinking, where is that phone? And I went to grab some Kleenexes, and there's the phone. And then I didn't tell her that I found it. So I could get back there and say, what if somebody needs me today? i got to follow up with that conversation. i got to text that person. i got to email that person. I need to get work to work on the sermon. And the reality is, y'all don't need me on Monday. Y'all need Jesus on Monday. And I got to rest. You got to have days like that. You should come home from work on a daily basis. And what you should do in your homes, and this isn't a rule that I'm saying you have to do, you should have places and times where, where that phone is restricted from you. You can't get to it. Have your wife hide it. You hide your wife's phone. Like a little game every night. Do, do away with those things. The, the notifications. You need to play with your kids. Play hard with your kids. Maybe video games with your kids. Just make sure it's not connected to the internet where you can check your email. Tried that. You should do some yard work. You should stop working and realize the world still spins in Jesus' hands not at your fingertips. You should rest daily. And, and we rest at Golgotha. I, I want to be very clear today. I told you it's going to be long. I'm trying really hard to finish. Rest is not generic. It's always going to the yoke. It's always going to the cross. You won't find rest in the shadow of a screen. 
you will find rest in the shadow of the cross. And so on a daily basis, go somewhere and reflect on the fact that God sent His Son to die for you. The yoke of work has been placed on Jesus and He lived and He died for me and I am free and I find rest and peace with God because of the cross. That's where you're going to find rest. It's not generic. It needs to be filled with the cross, filled with the gospel. Go somewhere with a real Bible where there are no interruptions and remind yourself of the story of God's glory that is found in Jesus Christ who lived and died for you. Rehearse that on a daily basis. Away from the clutter, find rest in the cross. And the cross makes sense of all our restlessness. Others are burdens to you when you forget the cross. Circumstances are the worst ever when you forget the cross. God becomes a burden when you forget the cross. You don't remember why you're serving others because Jesus served you. You don't remember the worst moment in human history Jesus endured for himself. And Jesus, because of Jesus, the work is done. And let me encourage you this year. We're not going to be legalistic about this and keep roles around here. But I do want, as your pastor, tell you, don't skip church. And I said skip church. There are things that come up in our lives. We visit family. There's different things that go on. Some of us have to work. We have police officers, we have nurses, and they have to work. And as a church body, we need to gather around them and make sure they, ha- they can find rest. That goes on here. But begin your week with rest. Begin your week with rest. Some of us get to the end of the week and we say, I'm too exhausted to get up and go to church. No, you're too exhausted not to go to church. Because you need the gospel. It's what the early church did. Jesus is raised from the dead as we sung or Clay sung. It's done. We come together and we say, it's done. I don't have to work any longer. Jesus has done the work for me. All week long, you are used up by other masters. All week long, you use other people for work. And you come together on the Lord's Day and say, no, the work's done. And one of the ways you do that on the Lord's Day is you aggressively serve others. The way you'll find rest on the Lord's Day is not coming in, flopping down, I need some rest. No, you come in on the Lord's Day and say, I need to find somebody that needs rest. And as you begin to think about others and what's going on with others, guess what? That's the joy of the Lord's Day. That's why it's not a burden for you because you leave here thinking more about others than yourself. You leave here more like Jesus. That's why you need the Lord's Day. We're not going to be legalistic about it. We're not... I'm just as your pastor telling you that some of your lives are crammed so full of stuff and church is the last thing that you need to alleviate. It's what you need the most. It's what I need the most. We've got to be a family at rest. The Lord's day is the Lord's family coming home to rest and we gather and rest in Jesus. We rest with others. We rest in our mission. And I pray today as we think about rest, that we will leave here resting in the gospel and not be the hypocrites that are even talking about rest. Our phones in our hands, computer in front of us, and failing to see the glorious rest that we have in Christ. Let's pray.